Hello and welcome to the third episode of Piano Lessons. I'm Phil Graham, Global Head of the Investment Funds Regulatory and Digital Assets team here at Harneys and joined, you're not surprised by, Mark Piano. Hey Phil, good to be back. Hope you're doing well. Very well, thank you indeed. A um, few things to sort of jump into the piano recital um, that have gone on over the last week and, and as always um, there are a number to choose from. Um, there was a stat that came out saying that Bitcoin mining is currently going on more than ever before in the history of Bitcoin, which a lot of commentators are scratching their heads at given the current price of Bitcoin. And maybe on another podcast, we could touch on why you think that might be. Uh, I could get your sleuth juices running in relation to try and work out where uh, Do Kwan, the Terra Labs founder, is currently hiding. He sent a tweet, uh, I believe, uh, over the course of the weekend saying he's not on the run despite the fact that the South Korea authorities have got Interpol involved now to find him, and his last known resident, Singapore, is saying that he's no longer in the country. Uh, Mark, I'm sure you could track him down. Um, there'll be something we could get into, and I'm sure we will on another podcast, in relation to the announcement from the Biden administration, um, saying what they'd like to see around the sort of cryptocurrency ecosystem in terms of regulation, dealing with CBDCs, dealing with Consumer Protection Acts, dealing with prevention of illicit activity. But then also I loved getting into US competitiveness in this market. And you're kind of like, well, you're ruining it on that side, but let's talk about how we can make it better. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I would love you to talk about the Zoltar NFT machine. I don't know if you see that. They rolled it out in Las Vegas, made famous by the big film, obviously, uh, where you can now go along, you can pay $5, put your little coin into the machine and out pops your own NFT. Um, it's a beautiful idea. Let's see how it plays out. And you could also touch on the cyber whistle now announced from Tesla, um, shaped in the in the form of a cyber truck. It's sixty dollars. It's a whistle, uh, but shaped in the form of a cyber truck. Um, you can only buy in Dogecoin, which is obviously interesting in terms of Elon's view on Doge. But far more sensibly, you've decided to tackle Ripple. Um, obviously, Ripple Labs and the, and the SEC have been going at it for a while now. I think I think all the way back since December twenty twenty. Um, they, they, they wanted some form of now immediate ruling being brought in on whether the $1.3 billion XRP issuance violated US securities laws. There's a whole bunch in here. I want you to get into the Howey test if you can. Uh, would love to hear your views on, on how this plays out. This has been a long-standing saga, which the, uh, the Twitter army known as the XRP army have very much taken up the cause for. As you say, this started in December 2020 when the SEC filed a suit against Ripple Labs, alleging that they were involved in a multi-billion dollar unregistered securities offering, uh, which is a fairly common argument the SEC likes to make. And that's been very much drawn out over the last year and a half or coming up to two years now. And interestingly, both sides wanted to file a summary judgment application. So and for me, this, this actually could be pretty fundamental for the industry, um, depending on the sort of tenor of the, of the summary judgment that, that both, as you say, both sides have asked for. Um, they're going to have to address a lot of points that have been outstanding, have been debated largely on Twitter, um, cantering mm -hmm. into the piano solo. Um, now, there's a lot of people who have sort of contacted us um, that are trying to just make their first moves in this space, trying to understand what this is, how do they understand what is going on? How do they maybe invest in the space or, or at least follow some of the commentary? I mean, for starters, there's an unbelievable amount of acronyms and maybe on another um, show, we can sort of get into some of those acronyms and, and, and what they stand for. 
Um, but, but more persuasively, I think, to, to sort of get people in, there are some sort of fundamental beliefs in this space that, that some people hold to be absolutely true until such time as they're not true. Um, for example, the obvious one is sort of, I remember Digital Gold, the book coming out, um, and everyone seeing Bitcoin as this classic hedge against sort of inflation. Um, that isn't quite proving to be the case as we see at the moment. And obviously, we've got all of the ETH killers, of which XRP and others that you touched on earlier, you know, are, are part of that. But we're yet to see that truly play out either. I mean, w from your perspective, who's looked at this space for so long, where do all of these things come from? And, and how do people take a view on how true all, any, none of these myths actually are? This is one of my favorite topics because I had to navigate this many, many years ago when I started getting into this. And they're called the maxis or the maximalists, and you have them in Bitcoin, and they're particularly strident. Uh, you also see it in Ripple, the XRP army, uh, Chainlink, the Link Marines, and uh, people on other chains and some of the smaller tokens, which are not that well known. But it's an interesting manifestation of, of sentimental attachment to your uh, investment. But with crypto in particular, it goes broader than that, and it goes into a worldview and how this particular token or platform or offering is either going to change the world or is going to reshape how certain aspects of economy or human behavior or even the crypto space itself is going to function. People get really attached to this stuff and they get very vocal and voluminous online, on Twitter, on Reddit and other forms of social media. But I think if you're starting out in this space, you will come across them. They do like to um, dissuade arguments to the contrary. They'll sometimes label people as spreading FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, or they'll call them a shill from some other competing project. It can get a little bit entertaining, but it's not great if you're, if you're looking to understand what's going on here. The projects are evolving in ways uh, that are very, very fast and against a wide moving, fast moving global and uh, economic and regulatory land landscape. And so the direction of travel some of these projects are going to go in, we see this with Bitcoin. Um, it was originally meant to be an electronic currency. Then it became a digital store of value. Now it's like the one, the only form of separation of, of state from uh, human, uh, human activity. So there's a lot of uh, pers persuasive perspectives and viewpoints. You may sometimes get overwhelmed when you start looking at some of this. I don't know if anyone remembers Bitcoin Cash, but that had a very big following for a while. There's also Bitcoin SV, Satoshi Vision, and they can also be particularly uh, passionate. So if you get into this space, you will go down rabbit holes. You will get a lot of points of view which um, have various bases in reality, some of which are perhaps more aspirational than, than based on a roadmap. But I think it's good to be aware of the level of sentiment in this space and take that on board when you're doing your research. No one's got all the answers. No one knows what's going to happen. So just bear that in mind and, and, and take an objective view on things. I fundamentally agree. And I, th I think the phrase do your research, frankly, holds up, you know, very strongly. Um, right. Finally, onto the piano tuner. This is a bit of an interesting one because it plays into obviously the, the merge that you discussed last week. Um, do you think and indeed welcome the view that the ETH merge it will likely see a lot of projects disappear with capital flooding out of NFTs and smaller tokens and directly into ETH as big institutions make major trading plays to get into the ETH proof of work system? Over to you. Well, as I predicted last week, the price wasn't necessarily going to go up. Now, whether that's macro, whether that's nature of the merge and a whole bunch of people used to mine Ethereum, and mine ether now off offloading their tokens we don't know 
uh, we are seeing a, I say a maturation in this space. A lot of projects are still getting funded and Merge isn't going to change that because what they're offering is something which in and of itself potentially has value in the market. The, I think the basis of this question is that institutions are looking for an asset that can generate a return of some sort. And now that the merge has been completed and Ethereum as a network can now use the Ether token to be staked, and there's certain criteria around that, then it's an asset that can generate some sort of return. I'm not sure necessarily that institutions were investing in these small tokens. I, I, I can't see, for example, um, General Motors in the US adding doggy coin onto their balance sheets anytime soon. We had some institutions which held Bitcoin for a bit, whether they've got them or not still, we don't know. That kind of ties back to some of the, uh, the philosophies and beliefs of those who make those decisions. I do think there is an institutional appeal in this space. DeFi is really quite interesting and the offering, which is more aimed at institutional investors and, and players is starting to become quite developed. But I don't necessarily think institutions were going to be investing in Board 8 Yacht Club NFTs or digital art related NFTs. And some of these NFTs aren't even related to digital art. It's membership rights in clubs. It's linked to digital, uh, sorry, physical assets. The offerings are fundamentally different. So I don't think there's going to be one coin to rule them all on the institutional level. I think it's a, it's a plurality of a market. It's a plurality of offerings even within the market. And I think there's space for everyone. You were bang on about the price, and obviously we're seeing that play out at the moment. I also saw that, do you see 40% of blocks that were added after the merge were added by only two entities, which was Coinbase and Lido, which kind of brings whole question marks around the centralization all over again, which brings us back to the start. But, uh, thank you ever so much for your, for your answer. Thanks, Phil.